Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this gospel passage, we hear of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And there is a way of hearing this by which many people hear the takeaway of, well, look at Jesus as an example, uh, memorize enough scripture, and every time that you're tempted, just do the same thing. And well, sure, we can look to Jesus as an example, but I don't believe the good news of this gospel passage is, well, Jesus did it this way, and now here is your key to do it, and just go and do it on your own, and everything will be fine. Because we know that that's not how it works. Rather, we need to look at what is the good news? And the good news of all of these readings ties to precisely what Paul writes to the Romans to tell them. That all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That all of the readings today focus on God's work of deliverance and salvation. That all who believe in the Lord will be saved. Paul does not give a long list and say all who do these ten things and do them perfectly will be able to come and present your scorecard perfect before God and then he will accept you. He says call on the one who has done these things for you. And in fact all of the readings speak of God's deliverance beginning with Deuteronomy which says when you're in the promised land remember that it was God who delivered Israel from bondage and death in Egypt and brought them through the water of the Red Sea to freedom. Remember that you were just wandering. You were nothing on your own. It's not of your own achievement by which you will enter into the promised land, but it is the very work of God in your life. That's what that passage from Deuteronomy calls us to remember, that God brought deliverance. And then in the New Testament passage, what we're hopefully supposed to be able to connect is that for us, Jesus is the new Israel. And that he then is led out into the wilderness, just as Israel was in the wilderness. And in his own strength as fully human and fully God, Jesus overcomes and through Jesus, we are offered a new exodus through Christ to be set free from the bondage of sin and death forever. That's one image that we're supposed to see of Jesus in this passage, connecting the work of Jesus to the work of God in delivering Israel. And then we should also hopefully connect Jesus as the new Adam. That if we remember back to Genesis, it's Adam who fails in temptation and all things go awry. But the new Adam, Jesus, does perfectly what humanity never could. Who fully keeps 
all of the law and the commandments, who does perfectly every action in our place that we could never do. And so in light of those two images of Jesus as the new Israel, Jesus as the new Adam, then the good news of the gospel is not go out now and try hard to do this on your own. That's not very good news. And in fact, as we look at it, we're here celebrating Lent one more time. And how many times have we been in Lent before? Where we've heard a message that perhaps we received as, well, now's the season for me to look at myself and then get it all right. Well, if we could do that, we wouldn't be here again. I've been through 43 Lents and I'm still not prepared to check the box that says perfect. And if we were to say, anybody who thinks now that you went through Lent last year, everything in your life is perfect, you are 100% perfect in all your thoughts and words and action, the microphone is yours. No one ever comes up. You know, but, and we chuckle and we should, but if the message we're hearing is just go and try harder, then the question should be for us, well, why didn't it get fixed last year? Or the 10 Lents before that? Why are we here again? Why am I dealing with the same stuff? And if we look at that without a Savior, then we look at that and it's easy to get really depressed and say, well, there's no hope. I've tried everything I can think of for as long as I can think of, and here I am, another Lent, reflecting on the same things that I've reflected on Lents before with the same great intentions and the same failures. But the good news is you don't have to do it. That our relationship with God is not on, built on our necessity to come with the right scorecard and to have perfected the right things in the right time. But it's all dependent upon have you called upon the one who has perfected it? who has done these things. The good news of the gospel says, as we're seated here now, having said yes to Jesus, the righteousness of Christ is your righteousness here today. And there's nothing you can do to add to it, and there's nothing you can do to take away from the righteousness of Christ. Now that is good news. That should be freedom to us to say, we don't have to work it out. We don't have to make it happen. Because we can't. Now, of course, that makes people nervous and say, well, does that mean we get to do whatever we want? Paul answered that same question. Because there's grace, does that mean we should sin so that we could get more grace? Paul says, absolutely not. You're missing the point. We don't want to do that. But the good news is, despite all the times we get it wrong, our relationship with God is not dependent upon that. That should be freedom. That should be a reminder that God has brought us out of death into life. And thanks be to God, my relationship with Him is not dependent upon me getting everything right and saying all of the right prayers and doing all of the right things because that would be hopeless. Because I've yet to be able to do that. 
But Lent, then, is a season by which we look at ourselves, by which we turn to God in repentance, but not in despair and depression, but in thanksgiving that in turning to Him we find the outstretched hand of a loving, merciful, graceful God who's just waiting for us to take hold and to come and to receive. Thereby then, Lent is not a season by which we have to, to hate it and oh, here we go again where we just have to say how horrible we are. But we take an honest look at ourselves so that we recognize how much we need God and the reality of what our life would be without God and the state that we would be in if at the final day of judgment the only thing I can present is my own scorecard. I'm in trouble. But if in Lent we recognize a loving, merciful, and graceful God, then we're people of joy even in the midst of our repentance. That we can take an honest look at ourselves, recognizing our shortcomings because we know God isn't going to throw me out. God's not going to be done with me. God knows all those things and loves you and loves me in spite of all of that mess. That's the good news of the Gospel. That's what we need to keep in the forefront of our mind as we move through Lent. And may the Holy Spirit empower us during this season to take an honest look at ourselves so that our hearts may fully understand honestly who God is, what God has done for us, and the reality of our life here and now, the righteousness and freedom and new life that is ours right now, because of the free gift that Jesus Christ has given each of us. Let us pray. Most loving and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, for his sacrifice on our behalf, and for the gift of new life that exists in him. May the Holy Spirit open our eyes to more clearly see who you are and who we are in you. Remove from us, Lord, everything that is not of you. And may we be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. And Father, we ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.